Hello and welcome everyone. My name is Paolo Fuchs and this is Overhead Conference's 3TS podcast. Conversation today will be about the various impacts that COVID has had and might have on sales and also on digital media world. You will also hear great insights on how to manage a sales team in the time of crisis and keep them focused on targets. Albus Yilmaz from 3TS is the moderator of today's session and our host is Bas Naivin from Piano Media. Please enjoy the conversation. All right. Thanks, Paul. Uh, so we are doing our, I think this is the fourth episode of our podcast. Um, and uh, we have today uh, the privilege of interviewing uh, uh, Bas Naivin with uh, Piano Media. Uh, Bas is based in Netherlands and um, Piano is our portfolio company. Uh, so today, with all the commotion going around coronavirus crises, uh, we, we thought that we can dive into the world of software sales uh, and hear from Bas about what's going on uh, in terms of uh, sales velocity and challenges. But without going uh, on that too much, maybe Bas, you can give us a quick background about yourself and Piano to begin with. Yes, absolutely. Uh... Thanks, Elbrus. So my name is Bas Nava and I'm based in Amsterdam. Um, currently, I've been just over two years with Piano. And currently, I'm the general manager for Europe, Middle East and Africa uh, for Piano. And I'm based, as I said, in, in Amsterdam. Um, before I joined Piano, I think it's maybe important to know a little bit more about my background. I spent about six years with Magento. Uh, leading the Magento European team to to further growth and uh, and uh, through a phase of where we were on our own two feet as the Magento organization, open source e-commerce platform, as many as you might know. And then not after long, we were acquired by by eBay. And then once once again, we grew the business from that uh, from that eBay organization uh, all the way up to uh, to Magento being acquired by Adobe quite a while ago. Um, since then, I've focused uh, on piano, uh, piano in, in EMEA. I think uh, it's phenomenal to see where we are currently. So our European headquarters are based in Amsterdam, but our global headquarters are in New York, in the World Trade Center. We also have a very large um, part of our companies based in Philadelphia, where a lot of our leadership, global leadership team is based. And then we have many locations across Europe. So it may be good to understand that originally um, Piano was founded in Slovakia. Um, and I think that's about 10 years ago. After a couple of years, about five, six years ago, three companies came together, TinyPass, PressPlus and Piano to form the new Piano, the Piano as we know it today. But then Piano has grown significantly from a very strong base in the US, strong customer base to a growing portfolio of customers uh, across Europe uh, in many of the key countries in the UK, in France, in the Dach region, Germany, Austria and Switzerland, um, all across Eastern Europe. In Southern Europe, we're going through some real expansion. And that has also resulted in an expansion of many different offices across EMEA. So we have offices currently, Amsterdam headquarters, then we have London, we have an office in Oslo, an office in Berlin, we have further offices in Bratislava, in Kiev, and also three further product and development hubs in Russia, in Samara, Kazan, and Izhevsk. So significant presence in Europe, 
um, which is great for us because our portfolio of customers has grown significantly and our European teams as well. So just giving you a little bit of background about myself, but also about the piano uh, as we know piano right now. That's very helpful. Thank you, boss. And we are proud investors in piano and um, really happy with the uh, company's development. Uh, so thanks for being with us again today. But initially, when we scheduled the podcast, boss, we were going to talk about how to set up a B2B sales team and how to grow it and scale it. Uh, this was before the corona crisis. And now today, the reality has changed significantly. And being a quite international business uh, with offices in many countries, as you just mentioned, and also clients across the globe, um, I'm quite curious about how you're dealing with Corona and how is this impacting your business day to day. So perhaps maybe we can begin with uh, how did Piano cope with the initial crisis, uh, what measures you guys implemented, and then we can dive into the sales component. Yeah, I think, as we all know, events have unfolded in, a, in an incredible speed in the past couple of weeks. Uh, even to that degree that we were also somewhat surprised about how, how quickly events unfolded and especially, Elbrus, how global it was. You know, uh, yes. it was not just certain parts of the globe, certain continents, but it actually unfolded everywhere. So uh, that, that posed a massive challenge for us. I think the challenge is twofold. I think the first and foremost, we wanted to make absolutely sure that our employees were safe, sound, healthy, and we can support them in any way possible as a company. I think that has been the number one priority for all of us. That's for all the officers we have globally, for all the employees, for their families and loved ones. I think that's number one priority. And number two priority, of course, is also business continuity. I think as a SaaS software company, um, we are used to work with customers that are based all over the world. We are connecting to them by phone, by video, by email, by Slack, by all kinds of different means of communication, but also by visiting them. And I think that's been a big part of my job, the job of my teams in, in Europe. And of course that was affected. I remember I was two weeks ago, uh, just only two weeks ago in Warsaw to do a road trip uh, for our Polish customers. And my colleague and I, we had to take a decision on the day. First of all, we got a lot of cancellations from Polish customers as all of this was unfolding. But secondly, we just thought we need to make sure that we get safe home. Uh, that is absolute top priority. And as an organization, we're very much used to doing business uh, by VC, by video, uh, by calls. So I think um, that has been really, really good. But of course, we're coming in touch with our customers. And some of our customers face different challenges and, and challenges that they've never faced before. Their businesses might not be set up perfectly to to do business over video so you know uh, a lot of these uh, events have unfolded and we're dealing on it on, on a day-by-day -day basis and, and still um, as a management team we, we have to check in on a daily basis to see where we can support our employees and of course our, our customers as well and support is, yeah. is also quite crucial so, yeah. so when, when you look at sales uh, let's talk about software sales because that was our initial topic uh, what do you see right now? Do you see uh, customers are uh, freezing all their purchase decision, decisions? Uh, are they deciding later, slower? Uh, have you already lost sales velocity uh, because of travel restrictions? And what, what's happening specifically with sales uh, at Piano right now? Yeah, that's, that's a very interesting question. So I think uh, first and foremost, on a higher level, it's a real mixed picture, uh, Elbrus. Um, 
I, I think what we're seeing and, um, is that uh, some of our projects actually have sped up. They have sped up and, and customers have been forced to, uh, you know, to make decisions quicker, to set themselves up, to uh, make sure that they are, can you know, respond to their customers' requests. Because in many cases, what we've seen with many publications in the media and publishing world is that the hunger and um, the demand for good quality content is amazing. And some of our customers have seen significant spikes in page views, in, in demand, in, in reading their publications, uh, in demand in subscriptions. So a lot of our customers have actually moved along quicker. So uh, we've seen that. And this has happened in a cohort of customers that have traditionally been very well prepared, are well on the road on, on their digital transformation queries. Um, they have been developing programs for content and for their readership over a protracted amount of time. And they were well set up to make these decisions uh, very, very quickly. There also has been customers where, of course, they have to readjust to the new situation. I mean, we've all been overcome with shock and, and horror. What's going on? What's happening? You know, uh, priorities change. And I think a lot of people are still readjusting to this new situation without knowing how long this may last. So I think they're coming to the realization that this might be around for quite a, quite a while and uh, things and businesses are returning to normal and also have to adopt and adapt their plans and their investment plans. And I think we will see that next wave happening over the next couple of weeks. And then there have been businesses who have been severely hit. You can think in the space of um, where people are organizing events or uh, training or education. These companies have been hit severely, and uh, I think uh, some of those um, in that particular area have been putting things on hold for the time being and uh, will maybe uh, delay some of those investment plans in, in the longer term. So overall, of course, it's not a rosy picture that I'm painting here. What I'm saying is that we see huge differences in that landscape, and, uh, and I think this is a prime opportunity for a lot of companies to accelerate uh, their digital transformation plans and to give them the time during the next couple of weeks or months to actually start working on those plans and be absolutely ready when uh, hopefully things uh, return to some normality. Yeah. yeah, I think the main challenge will be the, uh, the bandwidth issues that we are facing in Europe. Uh, joking aside, I think this is a, a good stress test on a uh, number of people being online and consuming a lot of content and uh, infrastructure being able to handle it. So as yeah. well as uh, the customers you just mentioned. So well, I think I'm, it's interesting times. Yeah. yeah, and I recognized as well, uh, Elbrus, that we're dealing here with Europe, Middle East and Africa with a, a no, you know enormously diverse territory. Uh, countries at different stages of development, different, different bandwidth, uh, different ways of preparing for situations like this. Um, so within our account base, uh, obviously there are, you know, all these different customers, but also you have different countries, uh, different territories, even different ge geographies in our remit. So it, it's a, it's a very diverse picture. It is. So maybe Buzz, let's dive a little bit deeper into the sales component uh, at Piano. And I'm curious about some of the tactics that you employed, um, right after this became a reality, uh, with Corona. So, uh, 
did you do a town hall meeting with all the sales team, obviously online, most likely? And what was some initial tactics you did? Uh, I'm reading some stuff online. You know, everybody's trying to get a hold of their customers, obviously, to talk to them, to assess what's going on. Uh, you have sales quota targets probably in your team. Uh, people are chasing those. Did you adjust those? And what has changed in terms of managing the team and your message to the team? What was it? Um, I think some things have changed. I think the um, our messaging internally to our teams uh, have been very, very strong from the very start. So we've been calling all hands meetings um, with the overall piano team, but also with the, the sales teams that we have internally, uh, where we are very specifically briefing our teams as to what is happening in the company, how we can support our employees as best as possible, but also to gain feedback from the market to understand what they're seeing in our existing customer base, but also with our prospects, what we hear from our partners, what we hear from our ex other experts in, uh, in, in the marketplace. So that's been very, very important. And actually, we have done all-hands meetings, but then we also have done, we call them coffee meetings. And most mornings, we run coffee meetings for the Amsterdam office, for the Berlin office, for the Dach region, for the Oslo office. And we're constantly talking to each other, being in touch with each other and, and being on Zoom calls almost all day. So I think the frequency of those calls, they have increased. And I feel that has done all of us a lot of good because it has established a sense of normality, a sense that business is, is, keeps going on. And also the people are being listened to, although we don't meet each other in person. And they can voice their uh, concerns, they can voice their opinions, and we can collaborate as a team. Extremely important. I think in our messaging to our customers and in our messaging to our prospects, we have decided as a leadership team, but also as a company, that this is a time where we need to provide th uh, thought leadership. Um, we are seeing things based on the data that we, are, that we are seeing as a company. We are seeing certain trends. We are seeing certain spikes, and we want to share that information. We want to make sure that our customers and our prospects understand what's going on and what the readers are doing and what they are demanding and, and thinking and, and, and how they're reacting to this situation. And we want to share that information out in an intelligent way. So uh, we've released a, a couple of press releases and other messages that you've seen on LinkedIn and um, through other means, through other media. That has been very important for us to, to reach out to customers and prospects and, and, and reassure them that uh, the trends that they are seeing um, we are also seeing uh, across the board. And it's not just in, in EMEA, but it's also in, in North America, and it's actually globally. And we want to share that information. And that information should be a great hook for us to have conversations with prospects that have real projects that want to move on, share that information, but also with our existing customers to make sure that, um, that we make them understand that we're listening and we're also seeing the same trends and, and we want to discuss that uh, discuss those with them so we've been very very proactive and i think we'll keep doing that uh, in, in the next while and we also want to provide leadership by in you know in this case by uh, setting up webinars um, language specific webinars for in spanish in french in german in english reaching out to um, to all of our customers who are looking for leadership on our side. So uh, I think those are some of the key activities uh, that we're exploring, uh, Elbrus. Got it. I, I bet it's helpful because many people are, on a daily basis, are quite curious about what's going to happen tomorrow and everybody's 
speculating different versions of the story development. So it's always good to have some type of a, a collective, um, a comprehensive view on things. And you're able to do it because you have clients all over the planet uh, in markets which are, you know, just meeting and getting to know the virus today, uh, yeah. you know, and then some others who have progressed well into some uh, catastrophic situations like Italy. So right. I, I think I know you uh, for many years now, Vas, but I, I think and I know Piano is very diligent on running with KPIs and OKRs. I'm quite curious about also the sales KPIs because uh, you always measure, you know, funnel velocity, uh, close ratios, conversion ratios, etc. Obviously, these are unprecedented times, so you don't expect <laughs> regular uh, KPIs. But are you still tracking those? Are you still keeping a discipline uh, in the team and the approaches when it comes to these sales funnel management? Um, yes, I think, uh, first of all, you're, you're totally right. I think these KPIs are very important for a business like Piano. And I think we've uh, become much more um, uh, intelligent, uh, much more collaborative as well with the teams in sharing out those KPIs and making sure that everybody understands why we're gathering and why we want that, that level of information. But it has become even more right now. Um, I, th I think it is phenomenal to see the amount of leads um, we've gathered in the past couple of weeks. And I always say to, especially to our business development teams, that you know, leads and, and every business is the same, but leads are gold dust. And I think the amount of response we're seeing in the marketplace for the products and the solutions that we're delivering, especially during a time like this, is phenomenal. And, and we need to measure that. So... We need to measure that and make sure that our response rates are very, very quick and very, very swift. Also to make sure that we measure the conversion from our leads into sales qualified leads and then, of course, into opportunities. So more than ever before, the collaboration between marketing, business development and our mid-market and enterprise sales teams is extremely, extremely important. And we always spend a lot of time in bringing these teams together, um, but also supporting each other. I think. It's important to understand that when uh, we are working with incoming leads in this case, uh, I want to make sure that the business development team is very closely aligned with the sales team, not only when they hand over those leads into opportunities, when they develop them further, but I want to have them involved in that whole process further down the line as well. Um, I want them to understand why it is so important to measure all these KPIs and to share those out within the organization. On a day-to-day -day basis, um, it will uh, give us a real insight as to how the business is developing, um, how the pipeline is developing for the second quarter or for the second half of this year. It is also very important for us to look at where we need to make investments in the business. Where do we potentially need additional business development people? Uh, where do we see, from what territories do we see a, a real need uh, to, uh, to make those investments? And I think these numbers and these metrics and these KPIs help us a lot uh, in, in that regard. Yeah, yeah totally. The, the other thing, you know, uh, talking to some other portfolio companies and also peers in the industry is uh, the situation when it comes where people are disconnected uh, at home or uh, wherever they are trying to work. And productivity is a concern for some and also complacency because in these uncertain times, it's very easy to get uh, distracted or, or defocused. And sales requires a lot of focus and concentration and uh, uh, diligence. So how do you uh, make sure that your team is up to the task on a daily basis? W what do you employ in terms of tactics when it, when it comes to managing their morale, 
and make sure that they are keeping an eye on the ball. I think this is a really important aspect, especially in the times we're in right now. Um, I think morale uh, and the culture and collaboration, they've always been very important for Piano. But we all know during these times, I think it's two, three weeks now, you have bad days. Uh, you know, people feel terribly anxious and concerned about what's going on and about their families and their loved ones. So we totally understand that. So I think part of it is empathy. Empathy is really important in, in situations like this. I think um, as a manager or as a leader within a company, um, we have to show that empathy. And I think every conversation should first and foremost be about that wealth and the, uh, the health and the well-being about our employees and about our customers and our prospects as well. So we spend a lot of time on that. What we can do, what we can influence is making sure that people understand what we expect of them. I think, uh, as I just mentioned, and I think it's shining through in the, in the questions you've asked and hopefully the, the, the responses I've given you is that it's very much business as usual. Um, it's actually more business as usual. Um, there is a phenomenal demand out there from our customers and from our prospects in leadership, in wanting to understand trends, wanting to understand what's happening. So we have a responsibility, a real responsibility on our shoulders to make sure that we inform the market, um, that we're taking the lead. Of course, that we're setting ourselves up to also uh, lead from the front and also be in a situation that when things normalize, but even during these times, to make sure that we uh, that we sell not only our products, but we also sell our services. I think we have an incredible amount of, of attention to that. So on a daily basis, we have the normal check-in points, as, as I said before, with when it comes to the teams, when it comes to forecast reviews, when it comes to talking about the business. But there is a lot of attention right now being put on research and understanding and preparing meetings. I just want to make absolutely sure that the meeting agendas the people we're talking to um, is very clearly outlined before we connect to our prospects and our customers. I want to make sure that we have very clear agendas that have been agreed with our prospects and with our customers and that the internal teams are briefed. So if anything, I'm seeing a higher level of activity, uh, making sure we are very well prepared as a business, not just now, not just in the next couple of weeks, but especially when things come back to normal again. And uh, yeah. additional focus on that. Let's let's continue with that actually because let's talk about some good things. So, what is your expectation? And like sitting here today, uh, looking out for the remainder of the year, what are the scenarios that you are uh, planning towards? Is it a continuation of this situation for the next six months, nine months, three months? I'm sure you have different scenarios, but what is your take on this? And how is how are you preparing Piano for it? I think it is very hard to say. I keep saying like when things go back to normal, when there's a level of normality, I think the level of normality will be, could potentially be quite different than what we're used to. Um, I think uh, one of the key advantages that we've always had as, as a business is that um, as a workforce, as a team, um, we are very um, flexible. We're very dispersed, so we're in many different locations. And maybe you say, why do you, would you say that's... I Actually, in this, this kind of situation, I see that as an advantage. 
Um, and also, uh, I think we will be able to scale our teams in a relatively short time frame. If you look at our products, I think our products have proven to be extremely scalable, but also extremely flexible. These are all attributes so of the workforce and of our product stack that are um, very important and very important to have right now in a situation where we're not completely sure what is going to happen in the very near future. So I think that puts us in an ideal position to be ready whatever will be thrown in our face. I think business as usual, yes, I think it's business as usual. Are we going to see an effect of this? Absolutely. I think we are going to see an effect of this. But are we going to be put in a place to lead from the front? Yes. So what we need to do as a team is what I've asked most people in my team to do is start thinking about two or three things for our business, structures, processes, the way we work, about our customers, about our products, about maybe pricing. Start thinking about those. And this is the time for us to work on those. This is the time for us to to make them more perfect. This is the time for us to improve on them. This is the time for us to work even more closely together as dispersed teams all over the globe. From all of the guys in my team I've heard, I've never spent so much time with my colleagues uh, on a daily basis talking about really important topics as in the past two, three weeks. So I think this is a time for us to build on that, to capitalize on that and to get our business even more ready uh, for the for the next uh, for the next phase of growth. So, you know, it is important to although we're going through a lot of difficulties, there are some real positive elements to this as well. And I think as a business, we're constantly prepared to uh, make changes, to adapt situations, um, to maybe change the way we reach out to our customers. But especially if you look at our business, we have made a couple of acquisitions, as you're well aware of, in, in the past. Uh, in the past yes. year. And for us, this is also a time to very closely look at, um, at the integration work that's going on, um, the input from different teams internally to, and, and, and also gather the feedback from our customers, how that is gone, where we can make for more improvements. There is a lot of topics right now, and, and we're actually making a list of topics that we want to work on for the next two, three months that set, up, set us up as a business even better and be better prepared for what's uh, what's coming the rest of the year. So I, I think I think we are very proactive in that regard. And I think uh, if I might give any advice, I think this is a good time to start thinking about making some of those changes and improvements. Yeah, yeah totally makes sense. I think we were talking with some of our colleagues that when you don't do the morning and evening commute, you actually have two two more hours in the day, so you can do a bunch of other things. <laughs> yeah. uh, either yeah. new sales calls or uh, yeah. having a jog uh, to stay healthy. So it's always you know to see uh, good to see that there's also also a positive side. Uh, but I think um, uh, many companies are getting impacted by it differently, and it shows which companies are prepared and less prepared. And it equalizes the playing field. Um, and obviously, sure. it's not the survival of the fittest, but it's the survival of the most adaptable companies. Yeah. And uh, digital business models actually are um, advantageous in that sense. We see that. Mm -hmm. So maybe, Bas, last few questions, um, and then we can maybe do a wrap-up about, you know, Piano's outlook and in the in the coming years, what to expect post-corona, uh, in the, in the post-corona world. Uh, when you look at your team setup, on the sales side, um, some of our uh, audiences have reached out with some questions. Uh, what we are seeing is that 
they want to understand how to hire a good salesperson, for example, right? Uh, and then how do you measure them uh, uh, in the first three, six months, nine months of the job uh, in a software environment, in a software SaaS environment? So you have done this at Magento, you, have, you are doing it at, at Piano, so you are very experienced in this. Could you give us some tips and some ideas about how to pick uh, a good salesperson and how to measure them uh, after they are onboarded? Yeah, it's a good question. Let, let, me, let me start by the, the basis, which I think is providing a really good challenge and opportunity to an aspiring salesperson, okay? Because I think this is where it sometimes lacks, especially in organizations like Piano. We're about 400 people. We've grown significantly over the past few years, but I think it's been very, very important for us to set up a team structure where new hires have an opportunity to excel at the job we are hiring them for, but to aspire to grow uh, into a, a more senior role or a, a, you know, a, a different role. So for instance, in our setup, it means we have business development, which in my opinion is the absolute backbone of our business, of our pipeline building, of our sales development, absolutely key. Then we have mid-market sales, we have enterprise sales, we have a partner, partner sales as well. And at the same time, we have a client's client success organization, client services. So there is a structure there where people have the opportunity who excel at their jobs and who are really ambitious to grow into different directions with the company. I think that is absolutely key. And I think I've heard from too many colleagues in the business that they are losing talented people after a year, year and a half, two years. And, and, and I think in, in our case, but also if I look better, back at Magento, we've all, also always managed to hold on to real talented people by providing them with a real challenge. So, so that's one thing. Um, for me, it is about um, you know, bringing a team together that is uh, multifaceted, um, that have talents in, in, in different, parts of, of different parts of our profession and where they are extremely hungry and enthusiastic to learn. I, in general, I'm, I don't hire very many sales professionals that are the finished article, um, that have a proven track record of 10 years in the industry and that um, have a fantastic big network. Of course, we have some of those people in the team naturally but i think the the majority of people that we hire are extremely ambitious and hungry and ambitious to learn about the industry and what i mean is that i don't need them to know about just about piano i need them to understand what the trends are in the industry i need them to understand that selling a SaaS solution is completely different than any other type of software out there in the market uh, I need them to be extremely collaborative. I think when we win as a team, we just don't win as a sales enterprise manager, but we win as an overall team. There's many people that contribute to that. So I think that hungriness, that enthusiasm, that ability to learn and that ability to adapt is very, very important. Um, and I think... Uh, measuring salespeople is, is difficult. So I've been in situations where we've hired an extremely talented individual, um, but it might have taken six to nine months to, um, to see some first successes, some first closed sales. Um, but we've seen 
a lot of behavior in those first six to nine months that gave me and others around me all the confidence that this person will take a little bit more time to be successful. But all the, um, all the ingredients were there. So I think at times what I, a little bit of patience is important too. I think in an organization like Piano, we don't have a fully fledged training department. When we bring someone on board, it's not going to be a month-long training program. We actually uh, have people work with uh, more experienced team members from the start quite closely. We do, ex- we do tell them how our processes work, our sales processes, how we work with our um, prospects and also with our existing customers. We do train them on product. But the real important uh, characteristic that I want to see is that person reaching out to different people within the organization within the first couple of days that they're in the organization and establishing those relationships, making sure to find the people where they can find those answers, making sure that they have that attitude to look for those answers, making sure they have a high level of activity, making sure that they're extremely curious. And I think the majority of people that we have are very curious. Also, we are an organization where it's not just sales. We also want our sales professionals to work closely with marketing, but even instigate marketing activities Make sure that they flag with the marketing department what they need to be successful or flag with product people that they need a product roadmap that has a little bit more information and that they can talk about with customers. So they constantly need to talk with different departments and different groupings within our company. That's the type of people we're looking for. And are we 100% successful all the time? No, we're not. But I think um, I can honestly say that most people that have joined Magento in the past and Piano right now, I think that they have a very fulfilling uh, top, uh, job on a, on, a, on a day-to-day basis and also that they want to grow with the company, that they want to grow their own skills and expertise and that they have strong ambitions to, um, you know, to, to take on a more senior position over time. That's the type of behavior we're looking for. So um, I hope that answered us that oh, question. Great, great. No, uh, great poster. Thank you. And I think it's, it's quite crucial uh, to have that hunger to hustle, right? Uh, that's that's a, mm-hmm. a, a component of the sales psyche, but also you need to have the structure and the discipline to go through, to improve your chances of closing deals. Uh, everybody knows uh, the probably adjusted, probability adjusted pipeline calculations, right? Uh, if you're just assuming things and not looking at data, it might be misleading. Uh, but if you're able to assign some data points, it can increase your chances of closing. So one of the things that I think most of the SaaS companies are struggling with is building a sales engine, not just a sales team, but a sales engine, the funnel, the marketing, the biz dev, the leads, everything. So when you look at your experiences, um, what are some good tactics to build a sales engine and where do you begin with it? Uh, If you're selling a SaaS solution, do you invest in marketing first uh, and business development to get enough leads or do you go through with some beachhead clients in, in, in some large markets that you can target? So how do you begin that journey in building a sales engine that is working independent of people who are running it um, in a sense? Yeah, I think a lot of SaaS companies are in a very good position uh, in general where they have uh, quite a good inbound uh, inbound amount of inbound leads through website or through network or whatever other means there are um, and sometimes it's very easy to sit back and relax and 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 that will kind of grow further i i strongly believe in uh once again in a business development so an internal business development organization 
that is very much part of our sales structure and where I expect an extremely high level of activity. And those activities uh, are, of course, responding to inbound leads, but more importantly is identifying opportunities for us to go outbound. Um, What do we need to do to go outbound? And what's the intelligence and the information and the research we need to do to go outbound? What's the messaging we want to give? What's the value proposition? Um, and, and that is uh, absolutely key. Going inbound has, has delivered uh, a lot of additional value and a lot of additional pipeline to us. Um, and I think if you think about marketing activities, it's, it's fantastic to have a, a marketing department and to organize events and to be attending to events and speak at events. Um, But it is, in my opinion, a little bit of a waste of money if there is no thorough preparation for these events where we reach out to attendees, where we ask for meetings, where we share why we're there at the event, uh, who's going to be there, um, who would like to be speaking to which person within the organization. um, And also at the end of it, of course, follow up on those activities. And I think it's, it's the combination of those things that make things powerful. We've also found out, and I think um, this is something that we've changed in the past six to 12 months, is that we have started to organize our own events, our own piano events. Might be a roadshow in Paris. We did a roadshow in the Dach region. We're planning further roadshows. Obviously, right now, they will be virtual. But they are very, 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 very strong because we have a couple of attendees uh, from Piano, we might have a customer, we might have 20 to 30 customers and prospects, and we spend half a day together. Uh, and we're going really in-depth in, in what's happening in the media world, what's happening with our existing customers, what successes have we seen, what are some of the challenges that we've seen. Sometimes we're bringing in an outside expert to, um, to present uh, or to lead those meetings, and they've been extremely successful. Um, and Furthermore, I think for us to grow further as an organization where we really want to be, we also need to um, start becoming more successful in, we call it OOM and out of media. And I think there's a real opportunity for us there to, um, to grow further and to position our, our stack of products, uh, our, our leadership in the space, and also to connect to, for instance, financial sector companies or um, to 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 other verticals that at the moment you know we we're not so strong in. So I think there's an opportunity for us to uh, to do that. But it's the different elements that bring it together: business development, marketing, current sales teams. All those activities need to be coordinated, and all those activities need to be very um, measured as well, and need to be um, entered in our CRM system so we can measure the activity, we can measure the outcome, we can measure the success, the conversion rates, and ultimately we can measure the investments we're making if they are actually bringing us a, a return on that investment. So these are some of the elements that are important to Albus, I believe. Great, great. No, thanks. Thanks for that. So last question on the sales topic. Um, this has been a question that we have been hearing uh, many times from entrepreneurs and founders who are uh, building sales engines and sales teams. Um, when is the right time to hire the first VP of sales, in your opinion, for a SaaS company? When do they really need somebody who is specialized um, to help scale the sales uh, going forward? But there are different, obviously, scales of businesses. But in this range, we are talking about um, basically a scale-up, 
right? Uh, that has generated millions of revenues and they want to grow faster. So I think Piano went through this. Now it's a much, much larger organization with uh, bigger sales numbers. But looking at your um, past uh, Piano and before Piano, uh, what are your some of, what are your thoughts on this? Like, when should the companies hire their first VP of sales? So, in my opinion, uh, first of all, there's different profiles of, of vice presidents of sales. Um, I think I can let, let's speak about my profile. I think um, my advice would be to hire a um, a VP of sales very early on, I think, but we need to focus on a VP of sales that can bring a structure to a sales organization. Um, I think it is very, very important to do that. So I would do it sooner rather than later. I would um, hire someone that can create that structure, but also can bring in the right people to build that structure out further. So um, I know it's always different for scale-up organizations because it means a significant investment. But I think that level of investment with the right person will pay off in, in a very short time frame. If you hire the right VP of sales with the right experience who can gather the right um, people around him or her, I think that will set an organization up for a lot of success in the future. So my, my advice would be as soon as possible. As soon as they had resources to afford one, right? Yes. <laughs> for yeah, that, oh, of course. No, I, I understand yeah. that. There's yeah. also you know people who do it in a different way, who who plant different sales managers in, in maybe in in different regions, um, and maybe have to change or adapt that model after six or twelve months, uh, which can be very costly and can be very time-consuming. And, you know, this market, Albers, things are moving really, really quickly. Every three or six or 12 months lost uh, can, can mean potentially a significant dent in your, in your business prospects. So, Absolutely. you know, it's, it's all about choices, obviously. But uh, I think building a structure and expanding on that structure and sticking to that structure, of course, all the time, you know, subtle changes might be needed. But I think um, um, it's, it's, it's better to start it as soon as possible when it's feasible, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. All right, so maybe a, a, a trending topic question. Um, obviously, Piano has impressive client list, and uh, most of them, as you mentioned earlier today, they're getting a lot of traffic these days, uh, online traffic. I'm curious, uh, what, what are some uh, stats that you might be able to share with us because of this corona uh, is the key word that everybody's searching, everybody's glued to their screens at home uh, on, on TV or on their laptops or their phones. What's happening in the world of media? What's, uh, what's, what are some interesting stats uh, in terms of traffic numbers, spikes, uh, conversion rates, online consumption of content? Uh, can you give us a little bit of a, a taste on that? Yeah, and I think maybe as, as part of this podcast, it would be nice as well to share some of the information that we've released in the past couple of days. But I think, you know, we, we can that take it. Great. I can just say on a higher level that, that there's two big trends that I think a lot of people will, will recognize or would have heard or read about, which is the, the first thing, the subscription economy and the subscription numbers are booming. Um, we have absolutely been contacted by so many uh, companies in our space that uh, that have seen incredible uh, incredible growth numbers 
I'm talking about 100, 200, 500, thousand percent increase in subscription numbers. Wow. But on the other hand, they've also seen uh, a lot of these companies a significant fall in, uh, in advertisement uh, revenue. Um, so, you know, so it's, it's, a very, it's a very diverse picture. And obviously with, with, you know, with the acquisition we made in CSENS and the DMP, that's a, a big part of our business now as well, a big growing part of our business. So we, we have to deal with those, uh, with, with those, those two different trends. And um, the interesting fact is that we have been seeing these trends across the board. So that's globally. And that has come uh, in a phenomenal speed. And uh, that has surprised and taken a lot of our, uh, our customers by surprise. Anecdotally, I can tell you that we are working um, with a customer um, that was very interested in building a reader uh, revenue and subscription business. And we've been talking with that customer only a couple of weeks. And they just decided in, in the past few days to accelerate that and work, work more closely with us. And not only on our platform that we provide them, but also with the services around it. Because not necessarily all of these new prospects or customers do have the knowledge in-house or do have the opportunity to attract um, uh, that knowledge uh, internally and, and develop those resources. So, you know, part of our business that is really fast growing is our strategic services. And I think uh, we've seen a significant growth there as well. But subscriptions are going through the roof. Page views and the hunger for content out there for quality content uh, is amazing. And uh, advertisement uh, revenue is uh, is really, you know, that is really falling uh, of, of, of a cliff at the moment. So this is quite interesting. So people are, I mean, for example, if you take a media company, they are getting a lot of organic traffic because of the content or, or if they are featured corner related stuff, which is traffic they're not able to monetize because they don't have enough ads to yeah. be viewed by those uh, individuals. So uh, how are they then trying to change their, um, uh, you know, content monetization? Is it, uh, they are trying to go, towards subscription model, like as you said, or they're just trying to basically say that, you know, um, uh, per article, there's a fee or uh, they can they can view certain articles for free and then it has to be a subscription model. What are some, uh, what are some tools that you are offering to them? Yeah, I think once again, you've seen a lot and I've seen it a lot on Twitter where uh, uh, a lot of experts or readers or people who consume content uh, seem to be fairly pissed off why some of these companies and some of these media and posting companies are not providing some of that content completely free of charge. I think you've yes. seen that yourself, you know, and yes. that's surprising to me because um, um, at times uh, like these, that, that type of content is very important. And I think people are willing, and should be willing to spend a euro or two euro or three euro or dollars or whatever uh, a week or a month on that type of content. I think there is a whole machine behind it. There's journalists, quality journalists working on it. There's an organization providing that. There's an organization doing research um, and, 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 and running a business model based on that. You know? So I think, I think that that somewhat surprised me. I think what we're seeing really is that that hunger for subscriptions, um, um, that hunger for people to, because there's a phenomenal amount of very good content there's also a lot of very speculative content and all type of other news out there um, that 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 
really is 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 clouding people's feel for what's happening. That's creating anxiety. That's yeah. sensationalizing things. And and I just feel that the companies at the forefront of this, um, what they want to do is 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 monetize and uh, is monetize uh, their content and and their right to do so too. And also building and increasing and a more loyal readership. Uh, also far beyond this crisis that we're currently in. So uh, I, I think I, I think that is important to remember. And I think uh, sometimes in all the discussions that I'm seeing and all the news threads and Twitter feeds you're seeing, that, that seems to be forgotten at times, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I have actually subscribed to a couple of uh, during crisis because I, I was tired of getting the, um, the uh, alert messages. Every article that I click on is basically paid. These yeah. days, so <laughs> I had yeah. to subscribe, uh, which is a, which is actually as you said meaningful, and it makes your life easier and it creates more value for everybody. So um, I did the same on yeah. yeah. the past couple of weeks, and uh, it has been very very good, and it actually, in a way, has kind of um, kept me very well informed by uh, by you know consuming content and news and quality news from some of those organizations that you're choosing. It's, it's different for everyone, but there's so many good organizations out there, so many good Absolutely. providers of quality news that I think, uh, in a way, we're very, very lucky and we need to support that too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And on that note, I think we can talk about some good quality content for sales um, uh, people or sales organizations to read and follow. And also, uh, what are your sources for corona updates uh, or crisis updates these days? So maybe if you can share with us uh, some, uh, some links that you always visit or recommend for a sales professional in a SaaS environment, what they should read, a good book, a good could be a blog or a newsletter. And then also, what are your some daily reads these days? Which subscriptions have you signed up for? Yeah, good question. So I think in a, in a, in a highly specialized um, marketplace and environment a company like Piano is operating in, it is very important to um, stay up to date on, on developments and news and newsletters with organizations like Inma. Um, uh, they are providing a lot of very good quality, uh, quality content and I think a lot of, uh, and they're also operating globally. So, you know, I would always advise our teams to uh, to follow their news and, and follow the information that they're providing. Um, I think in general, um, when you look at news, and of course this is subjective, but um, I, I'm always been a, a big fan. Let me first take this answer differently, uh, this question differently, because I think what has been so important for us as an organization is to follow the really close guidelines of, the local governments and we have to deal with a lot, a lot of local governments you know as an EMEA organization but I think we talk about it all the time we have to deal with an organization in for instance in Berlin or in Oslo or in Amsterdam or in London or in Kiev who all have different instructions from different governments and I, I think we need to listen and adhere, adhere to those I think that's really really important because that gives us clarity that also gives us guidance, but we need to do with our personnel, with our offices, with working from home and all these other really important things. And then, of course, there are the health experts. I think every country has their own health experts um, who are aligned to the government, who will give out very specific advice what we need to do in a, in a situation like this. And I think we need to highlight those. And, and that's I think that we take our guidance from those organizations. Um, besides that, for me, in the Dutch setup, um, 
I read my local uh, newspaper. I have a subscription to my local newspaper called Parole here in Amsterdam, very specifically on Amsterdam, what's happening in the city and the wider surroundings. And then in the Netherlands, I like reading a publication called NRC. It's a national newspaper. And I get most of my news from them. And then globally, I always like the BBC, The Guardian, New York Times, and uh, many other other uh, sources I take my information from. But what I really would like to see is um, my teams taking their information from some of the local experts on the ground. And if that is the PDZ in, in Germany or other um, media or, um, you know, um, publisher organizations, we work really closely with them. And I want my guys, my team, my teams to work really closely with them because they are very close to what is happening on the ground. Uh, every market is at different stages of development. And I need to feel that hunger and excitement from the teams to connect to these people, to read their publications, to understand what's going on in that landscape. And that is very diverse. It's very different in London. It's very different in Paris and France. It's very different than Southern Europe, very different than Eastern Europe. So, you know, um, I want to I make sure that they, they're constantly in touch with these organizations, but also sharing that news. Because if something worked really, really well in the UK, I want our UK representatives or our general manager in the UK to share that out with the rest of the team and vice versa. So, you know, I think coming back to collaboration again, I think I used the word a couple of times, collaboration is super important. And many people ask, how do you do that with all these dispersed teams and different offices and different locations. I can honestly say that these guys work so closely together. We have a, a group of fantastic professionals that, um, that are working across all these different countries with all these different customers, with all these different issues. But the level of working together and the, the level of preparing for meetings together and also, of course, part of that is celebrating success together is phenomenal. And um, I think that's the type of culture for an organization like Piano, uh, that is absolutely key to success, but also to uh, to keep developing and then holding on to very talented individuals. So, um, yeah, absolutely great, great. No, thanks, thanks for those tips. Uh, we'll try to get these links from you so we can share in the uh, yeah. blog post or the podcast as well, so uh, we don't misspell them. But, Bas, this was great. Thank you so much for your time in these busy times, interesting times. Uh, it's, uh, I know you're very busy, so thanks for taking the time and talking to us today. It's quite interesting to see uh, how uh, what's happening in the world of sales, online, digital media, and content consumption. So uh, let us know if you would like to share uh, some of the uh, work that you have done at Piano with our audience. We're happy to feature that uh, and share that. Thanks, Elbrus, and uh, thanks for the invitation. Really enjoyed yep. uh, talking to you. Looking forward to seeing you uh, in person soon, hopefully. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks, Bas. All right. All right. We had a very interesting chat with uh, Bas Navin from Piano today. We talked about the impact of Corona um, on, on sales and also in the digital media world. Uh, we have learned that uh, many, many companies are seeing a lot of traffic increase uh, and also launching new subscription services to monetize that content. And Boss uh, gave us some insights about how to manage a team in a time of crisis and keep them focused on, 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 on targets. Uh, obviously, uh, em having empathy with everybody's uh, surroundings and also uh, increasing collaboration through use of tools uh, to enable better communication is key. 
but uh, that was an interesting chat. So we look forward to having the next uh, next podcast episode in the next few weeks. Uh, stay healthy, stay safe, and uh, we'll be in touch. Bye.